Welcome to All Music Radio Podcasting. We are more than music, but also information that impacts daily living. This is your host, Mike Forge, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. with another conspiracy, the Republican criminality conspiracy. Man, they refused to expel George Santos despite his 13-count indictment. The dude's a crook. He's a foster. He provides false information. They all know it. The delegation from the New York Republican Party are the ones trying to lead the way to get this cat out on all music radio podcasts. We're going to bring that information to you right now. Here we go. Counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, and two counts of making materially false statements to the House of Representatives. Again, we're just getting this indictment. It has just been unsealed. We're hearing that Santos is inside the federal court courthouse here behind me, and he has been arrested on these charges. And of course, we're learning that he will see a judge later today, very likely on these charges. But we are still going through that paperwork to get the details of these counts. Again, though, 13 count indictment just on including wire fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds, and two counts of making materially false statements to the House of Representatives. All right, Bryn Gingras for us outside the courthouse. Bryn, thank you very much. We'll let you dig through this indictment more as more details become public. Thank you very Mm -hmm. much. Indicted, now now it is unsealed, and now he is in custody. Wire fraud, Ellie, money laundering, theft of public funds. What do you make of that? So we have not seen the actual indictment yet, but based on that description from Brent, let's sort of run through generally what these statutes are. Wire fraud is a very broadly used statute that basically says to steal anything from anybody by lying to them. The wire part just means you did it over the Internet or the phone, something that's always going to apply. Excuse me. So this is going to apply to some sort of fraud whereby George Santos presumably took money from somebody else by lying to them. Then we have money laundering. Now, that means taking the proceeds, the money that you stole, and hiding it somehow, trying to conceal it from investigators. Then we have theft of public funds. Now, that's interesting. That means not only did he steal money from some private individual, but it would have to be some sort of public money, some sort of federal or state governmental money. So I'm interested to see what that is about. And then finally, making materially false statements to the House of Representatives. This is what we were talking about, I think, before, Sarah, that you have to make certain campaign-related disclosures to the House, of course, lying to the House, whether during verbal testimony or in documents that you file, that too is a federal crime. So I was just sort of looking at this up and that money laundering is, you can get up to 20 years. I mean, these charges are very serious and hold a lot of time potentially if he's convicted. They are very serious. Most of these charges are going to carry 20 year maximums. Now we have to be careful whenever we talk about these maximums because it's very rare, putting aside your murder type cases, it's very rare that anyone gets the maximum or anything near it. But ultimately, This looks to me like it's not all based on one thing. This isn't all about one transaction or one fraud. And not based on his resume. No, absolutely not. Not the salacious lies of his resume that that we were first introduced to George Santos. Right. None of this has to do with him claiming what his background is, his heritage is, his family is, his his resume. Right. Now, prosecutors ultimately might try to introduce that at a trial to support some of these other charges. But no, this, this looks like, again, based on the charges, a sort of... Well, it's atypical because it involves a member of Congress, but in some respects, a standard fraud and false statements case. Ellie Honig, stand by for a minute. We have our justice correspondent, Evan Perez, with us somewhere. I will look and find him. Uh, Evan, there you are. Evan, look, it strikes me, by the way, also, there are 
financial crimes here alleged, which mm-hmm. generally means paper trail, records, cases that are tough for a defendant. Talk to me about the breadth of the charges here. Well, John, look, I mean, the, uh, the fact is that this, uh, this is a, a, a congressman who's only been in office for, you know, four or five months. And there's been just a stunning number of allegations of frauds and lies uh, that he's been facing and, and under scrutiny for. And it, it's clear, and this is something that we heard repeatedly during the investigation, uh, the, you know, the FBI and prosecutors knew that there was going to be plenty to work with here. They knew that there was, there was a lot of paperwork. Every one of these things that he filed with a government agency was potentially a crime. And, and the fact that it took this long, I think some uh, members of Congress yesterday were remarking that uh, I'm surprised it took this long. Well, part of the reason was that they kept finding new things to investigate. And uh, again, what you see here in this indictment is just the basics that what the Justice Department, what the FBI really, you know, it's their bread and butter, which is to look at you know, some of the the, the financial statements that he's made, some of the things that he did to raise money, according to to the indictment, uh, which were fraudulent. And so those are the things that, as you pointed out, are very difficult for uh, a defendant to defend themselves against because either you, you filed the paperwork and it was false or you didn't. And we know you filed it because we have it. So um, that's part of the problem here for the congressman. Uh, and we'll see, you know, whether uh, he decides to go to trial or whether there's a way for him to figure out a way to make a deal, as he did with Brazilian authorities just a few weeks ago, uh, where he admitted to a fraud there in Brazil from several years ago um, in order to avoid having to go back and face a trial there. So, again, this is we're still reading through the indictment, uh, 20 pages or so, uh, to see what exactly uh, he's accused of here. But again, so much that the FBI had, had to work with over the last few months. Evan, stick with us, if you will. I want to go to Caitlin Polance as well. Caitlin's joining us in Washington. Caitlin, talk to, talk to us a little bit more about one of the big questions all along has been also violations of campaign finance laws. Um, what, what are you picking up on that? Right. Well, this is a really meaty indictment. I'm still going through it. But even at the top, whenever you're looking at it, the thing that jumps out is that the federal prosecutors were able to discover uh, political contributions that did not go to George Santos's political candidacy. So they say in this indictment that September and October in 2022, so not that long ago, he was taking in money that was supposed to be used to his candidacy into a company, but that was a false pretense. Instead, it was going to things like luxury designer clothing and credit card payments for personal expenses. He was soliciting it for personal expenses. And so that's a pretty meaty charge on its own. There are other violations here related to his political life. Uh, There are campaign finance violations that are outlined here. There are also violations relating to what he was telling the House uh, about his own employment, about the money he had. But even that, we don't get a lot of um, more specifics than the luxury designer clothing credit card payment detail here in this indictment. But it it really is on its own just an astonishing thing that he was taking in money from political donors and it was going to not that it was going to benefit uh, George Santos himself, apparently, based on what what we're reading so far. Uh, Caitlin Polance, keep reading. You've got the paper <laughs> copy right now. Please dig in more. Fill us in when you get this new information. Ellie Honing, based on what you just heard from Caitlin Polance, 
what gives? Yeah, so that's really interesting. So the, the idea here is the fraud is, he said, okay, people who support me politically, donate to my campaign and I will use it to buy yard signs and ads and win a seat in Congress. Mm-hmm. Instead, according to Caitlin's reading of the indictment, he basically pocketed that money and he used it for his own personal expenses, which you cannot do. And, and this that is, is after a fraud. he's under scrutiny. This isn't, yeah. this isn't pre-election. This is after he was already under, under scrutiny, according to what Caitlin just said, October, September of 2022. 2022 is right. That just happened. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, he was up for election in, I guess, November of 2022. So it would have absolutely overlapped with the election itself. I hesitate to use this term, but I can't think of one better on the moment. This is JV stuff when you're, you're raising money in a campaign. The one thing you know when you raise money for a campaign is you can't spend campaign money on personal stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's remarkably, in some sense, unsophisticated. I mean, there's all we've seen politicians over the years sort of in more sophisticated ways, launder money, maybe that'll come into play here, but use it in ways where maybe it's arguable, is this a campaign expense, is this a personal expense? But the, the things that Caitlin just laid out that are laid out in the indictment are seemingly undoubtedly personal expenses. So if prosecutors right. can prove that, and by the way, Prosecutors are going to be very careful before they bring a charge against a sitting member of Congress. So if they can prove that, then then that'll make out the wire fraud claims. And you made the point that this has happened fairly fast. So, you know, the evidence, they have to have it in order to go forward with this. Obviously, they've got paperwork and we will have to see. We do have something now coming out from the court. Bryn Gingras is joining us now live. She's got an update for us, a statement, I understand, from the DOJ. Yeah, that's right, uh, Sarah. We learned that the grand jury returned this indictment yesterday, and now we have this 13-count indictment, a statement. I want to read it in full to you. It's quite long. It says, this indictment seeks to hold Santos accountable for various alleged fraudulent schemes and brazen misrepresentations. Taken together, the allegations in the indictment charge Santos with relying on repeated dishonesty and deception to ascend to the halls of Congress and enrich himself. He used political contributions to line his pockets, unlawfully applied for unemployment benefits that should have gone to New Yorkers who had lost their jobs due to the pandemic, and lied to the House of Representatives. My office and our law enforcement partners will continue to aggressively root out corruption and self-dealing from our community's public institutions and hold public officials accountable to the constituents who elected them. And of course, he went into office just in January, but we know that the investigations into him were before that. My colleague Mark Morales is learning from sources that Santos actually turned himself into the FBI office in Melbourne. New York and was then taken here to the federal courthouse and that's why we didn't actually see him drive up and go in but he is in custody right now we do expect him to go before a judge on these 13 charges it's unclear of that timing as of now but a pretty uh, strong statement there uh, all right all music radio podcast we're going to bring some additional information uh reference this case now that been me or you <laughs> you can forget it all right, we're going to bring the information. The The House fails to expel him. You got federal charges. You got the New York delegation of Republicans saying get rid of him. And they still didn't want to get rid of him. On all this radio part. Here we go. That voting for expulsion at this point would circumvent the judicial system's right to due process that I'm entitled to and desanctify the long-held premise that one is presumed innocent until proven guilty. 
we have learned about countless lies, deceptions, and 23 charges against Mr. Santos. It is in the best interest of the constituents of New York Three and all Americans that he is expelled from the House of Representatives. I agree with everything that my Republican colleagues have said here today. But everything they have said here today was also true in May when they voted to protect George Santos. Has there been anything that has changed? Nothing about the numerous lies that Mr. Santos admitted himself to making in order to deceive his voters into electing him. Nothing about his status as an indicted criminal defendant. Yes, there has been a superseding indictment with more allegations of criminal conduct, but he is still presumed innocent until proven guilty. The yeas are 179, the nays are 213, with 19 recorded as present. Two-thirds not voting in the affirmative. The resolution is not adopted, and a motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. All right, there you have it. That crook, they, they did not let that crook, they didn't kick him out of Congress. It's the Republican criminal conspiracy. It's just common sense. The average person, the average person to be indicted on one on one case, in most cases, is enough to get fired. Now, if you happen to find, be found out not guilty, yeah, you could probably appeal your, resig- your your termination and perhaps get your job back. But we don't have that luxury to be able to to do that. We don't have the luxury of being a, a congressperson getting a over hundred thousand dollar salary and you stealing money from your constituents and then on top of that had the nerve to apply for unemployment and got it it, it, it defies democracy it defies justice for all there's only justice for a few and the high and mighty get exemptions and clearly this is what's happening with the Republican Party Donald Trump is not an exception to the rule and they still believe that he should be president part of the Republican criminality conspiracy on all music radio podcasting have a great day love, peace, joy and happiness from all music radio podcasting coming to you live from Washington D.C.